recorded live. Oh, hello, Stephen. Hey, Jesse. Well, how are you? I'm awesome. How are you? I'm great. I'm uh, calling from the Heart Center. I'm here with Amina. Woohoo! Hi, Stephen. Hi, Amina. And uh, can you hear us clearly? I can. Great. Perfect. That's all we needed to know. So we'll just uh, wait a moment to let our other, our fellow students hop on the call. Indeed. Until then, why don't you tell us how you're doing? What's new? Are you getting excited for your trip out? I am. I'm getting very excited. Um, my uh, my best friend here is uh, leaving for Australia the same day, so we're on the same flight uh, from Atlanta to Los Angeles. Oh, great. Yeah, so that'll be fun. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I, I've, not, I've never been that far west, so... Oh, really? It's your first time to California? Yeah. That's exciting. It is. So I, I'm very looking forward to it. Cool. Yeah, well, we're looking forward to having you. Can't wait to see you. I know. I'm so excited to put uh, faces to voices. <laughs> like in person. <laughs> like Three-dimensional three faces. <laughs> yeah. Hugs, hugs to faces to voices. Exactly. Exactly. Do you have great holidays? Oh, yeah. Mellow. We just had a great holiday, PSLA holiday called Amina's birthday. <laughs> I saw had, that on the Facebook. I think we, had a, we had a bigger party celebrating Amina's birth than Christ's birth. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were celebrating the Christ in her birth. <laughs> I know. It looks uh, like quite the jingle. We have someone else up on the call. Hello? Yeah, it's Georgina. Hi, Georgina. How are you? Uh, I'm okay. How are you? Great. Good. Hi, Georgina. Hi, who's that? Is that Stephen? It is. Hi. Is it just Hi, us three? Amina. Pardon? Is it just us three so far? And Amina. Hello, Amina. I'm oh. here. Hi. Hi, Amina. Amina's here, Georgina's here, Stephen's here, I'm here. Uh, We're waiting on a couple more people. I think L.E. is going to be on the call tonight with us. Um, I think she may have just called in. L.E., is that you? It's me. (laughs) Hi. 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 Hey, Ellie. Hi. Hi, Ellie. <laughs> Hi, everybody. So, we're really just working, waiting for... Tishant, I know, is sick tonight, today. So, uh, he might be calling in Saturday's call. This might actually be him. And I think we're waiting for Patsy, maybe Tom, see who else calls in. Someone else just hopped on. Hi, who else just hopped on? Somebody somebody else just hop on the call? Just Tom. Hi, Tom. Hi. Hi, Tom. Hi. 
Okay, so I'm just marking my attendance notebook here. Okay, well, we got to get started because there is a lot of information to cover tonight. First, let me just say um, welcome back to class. It's nice to connect with you guys. I'm really excited about the material that we're going to be exploring this, uh, this quarter. And uh, I think it's going to support everyone in getting crystal, crystal clear about how we can support ourselves in, um, in um, <sighs> being mindful, <laughs> being mindful with our thinking, um, the words we use, what we're letting in. <laughs> we'll get more clear on what that even means. And, um, mm-hmm. And also, we're going to get really clear, especially with Byron Katie's work, on how we project our own thoughts, judgments, and beliefs onto other people and how understanding that and releasing that habit holds the keys to the kingdom. So it's very exciting information, and I think that it's sort of necessary information, even if the power of your subconscious mind doesn't feel really mystic and connected to God, I guarantee you it so is. Um, so, but uh, with that said, we'll, listen, we'll, we'll, we'll discover how everyone's doing as we go about class, but let's just dive right in, guys. Um, that's sort of going to be the gist of this quarter, is just rolling up our sleeves and getting to work. Um, I will share that I will be announcing um, your, this quarter's practitioner project um, next week. Yay. So I'm just getting clear uh, on all the details of it, but it's going to be uh, sort of an evolving project that might actually span into next quarter and the following as well. But uh, I'll give you more information on that next week. So, but first, let us pray. So, uh, wherever you are, go ahead and just uncross your arms and your legs. And let's just take a few deep breaths in, allowing each exhale to release the day, allowing ourselves to relax the bottom of our feet, the palms of our hands, our tummies, shoulders, and the skin around our ears and our eyes, relaxing our jaws, allowing ourselves to just be completely peaceful, relaxed, aware, and open. Just taking a few deep cleansing breaths. And in our mind's eye, we see waves and waves of bright white light flowing 
through our physical body, entering from the top of our head, our crown chakra, and flowing down all of our energetic centers, all of our chakras, aligning our energetic bodies, flowing through our physical bodies, releasing any appearance of dis-ease, disharmony, discomfort, soaking and saturating to our muscles, our bones, our cells, expanding into our auric field, three feet above, below, in front, behind, from the right to the left. Send waves of this bright white light into our emotional body, our mental body, our etheric, astral body. This light is supporting us in releasing all cords to past life experiences that no longer serve, healing at the root of those cords. It's freeing us from any course in all directions of all kinds of space. It's freeing us from any vows we've made in past life, vows of poverty, revenge, chastity. And then we see this light expand into a circle connecting each person on this call. Connecting Jesse with Georgina, with Amina, with Stephen, with Tom, with Ellie, and back to Jesse, a sacred circle. And in the center of the circle, we see Mother Earth, our planetary goddess. And we send waves and waves of this light into the Earth until she is completely enveloped. Waves of this bright white healing light flowing to her, through her restoring her to her natural state of fertility and lusciousness, any appearance of war, disease, discomfort, famine, terrorism, simply dissolve in the light of truth, and we rest in this light. Not needing to be anything, get anything, do anything, just simply be, rest, breathe. Holy Spirit, we hand this conversation over to you. We ask that you support us in activating the highest level of listening available. We ask you to support us in inviting all of our teachers, guides, angels, ancestors in this dimension and beyond to help us hold space so that the greatest level of healing may occur within each and every one of us that we can most comfortably handle at this moment. Layers are peeling off. We offer up any thoughts of limitation, lack, any thoughts of resentment, of vengeance, of disdain, of discontentment. We let that go, cleansing and clearing ourselves, freeing ourselves so that we can align with our true nature, which is loving. And from this loving space of infinite potential, of infinite possibility, we go forward knowing that this is the perfect conversation, the perfect class to support the awakening 
of the awareness of love in and as each and every one of us. We are aligned with our true nature, our perfection it is exuding from every core of our being. Light, luminosity is expressing itself through us now, and we go forward in gratitude with grace, sharing this light, this love with everyone, all the healing benefits of this class, this, this, this curriculum with everyone because we are one with them. And in gratitude, we say, and so it is, woo-hoo. Woo-hoo. And so it is. It is recording. Uh, I got smart and I started having it record automatically. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at the Heart Center with Amina. We are on speakerphone, so if there's at any time uh, you're having a challenging time hearing either one of us, just let us know. We'll hold the phone closer. All right. <clears throat> let us begin. So please, uh, if you could... Grab your copy of uh, Power of Your Subconscious Mind by Joseph Murphy, my buddy, Jay Murph, as I call him. And um, there are, <clears throat> we're not going to be reading the whole chapters in class anymore, the ones that we read earlier in the week, but there are certain sections that I feel are worth reviewing together so we can inspire. A conversation. So I'm going to invite everybody to turn to the section, The Conscious and Subconscious Mind, in Chapter 1. And I'm going to invite everyone to mute out your, your handheld phone unless you are reading or sharing. So go ahead and find the mute section in your handheld now and go ahead and put yourself on mute unless you are reading. And I'm going to invite, um, we're going to read in pairs tonight. We're going to read in couples, okay? And uh, so I invite everyone, if you're not reading, to listen actively, take notes. Anything that comes up that you think is interesting or that you'd like to get a little more insight on or if you have an aha moment, um, just make a note of that so you can share that after the reading. Our first readers tonight are going to be Stephen and L.E., Stephen and L.E., you'll do paragraph by paragraph in the section, The Conscious and the Subconscious Mind. Cool? Any questions? Cool. Beautiful. All right, Stephen, you go ahead and start. L.E., you'll be uh, second, and let's do it. Cool. (laughs) An excellent way to get acquainted with the two functions of your mind is to look upon your own mind as a garden. You are a gardener, and you are planting seeds, thoughts, in your subconscious mind all day long, based on your habitual thinking. As you sow in your subconscious mind, so shall you reap in your body and environment. Ellie, are you on mute? I am. Jesse, I'm not seeing the thing. Oh, hold on. I know we were supposed to go through this. Let me just make sure it's the same. There's a... Did yours have the lightest cover? And so Kindle might be a little different than the reading. 
but the paragraphs are pretty much the same gist. Some of the wording might be a little off, but just okay. trust we're all on the same page. So, um, Stephen, why don't you actually read the first paragraph again, and Ellie, you go with the second. Cool? Okay, okay. cool. Great. <clears throat> An excellent way, <clears throat> excuse me. An excellent way to get acquainted with the two functions of your mind is to look upon your own mind as a garden. You are a gardener and you are planting seeds, thoughts, in your subconscious mind all day long based on your habitual thinking. As you sow in your subconscious mind, so shall you reap in your body and environment. Mm, I don't even see anything like that. Oh, man. Jesse, can you... Can you Try to yeah, We're going to let Amina read it, and you try to find it. Cool? Oh, yeah, I'm going to look. Okay, thanks. Begin now to sow thoughts of peace, happiness, right action, goodwill, and prosperity. Think quietly and with, in, in, and with interest on these qualities and accept them fully in your conscious reasoning mind. Continue to plant these wonderful seeds, thoughts, in the garden of your mind and you will reap a glorious harvest. Your subconscious mind may be likened to the soil, which will grow all kinds of seeds, good or bad. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Every thought is therefore a cause, and every condition is an effect. For this reason, it is essential that you take charge of your thoughts so as to bring forth only desirable conditions. When your mind thinks correctly, when you understand the truth, when the thoughts deposited in your subconscious mind are constructive, harmonious, and peaceful, the magic working power of your subconscious will respond and bring about harmonious conditions, agreeable surroundings, and the best of everything. When you begin to control your thought processes, you can apply the powers of your subconscious to any problem or difficulty. In other words, you will actually be consciously cooperating with the infinite power and omnipotent law which governs all things. Look around you, wherever you live, and you will notice that the vast majority of mankind lives in the world without. The more enlightened men are intensely interested in the world within. Remember, it is the world within, namely your thoughts, feelings, and imagery that makes your world without. It is, therefore, the only creative power, and everything which you find in your world of expression has been created by you in the inner world of your mind, consciously or unconsciously. Knowledge of the interaction of your conscious and subconscious minds will enable you to transform your whole life. In order to change external conditions, you must change the cause. Most men try to change conditions and circumstances by working with conditions and circumstances. To remove discord, confusion, lack, and limitation, you must remove the cause, and the cause is the way you are using your conscious mind. In other words, the way you are thinking and picturing in your mind. You are living in a fathomless sea of infinite riches. Your subconscious is very sensitive to your thoughts. Your thoughts form the mold or matrix through which the infinite intelligence, wisdom, vital forces, and energies of your subconscious flow. The practical application of the laws of your mind, as illustrated in each chapter of this book, will cause you to experience abundance for poverty, 
wisdom for superstition and ignorance, peace for pain, joy for sadness, light for darkness, harmony for discord, faith and confidence for fear, success for failure, and freedom from the law of averages. Certainly, there can be no more wonderful blessing than these from a mental, emotional, and material standpoint. Most of the great scientists, artists, artists, most of the great scientists, artists, poets, singers, writers, and inventors have a deep understanding of the workings of the conscious and subconscious minds. One time, Caruso, the great operatic tenor, was struck with stage fright. He said that his throat was paralyzed due to spasms caused by intense fear, which constricted the muscles of his throat. Perspiration poured copiously down his face. He was ashamed because in a few minutes he had to go out on the stage. Yet he was shaking with fear and trepidation. He said, they will laugh at me. I can't sing. Then he shouted in the presence of those behind the stage, the little me wants to strangle the big me within. He said to the little me, get out of here. The big me wants to sing through me. By the big me, he meant the limitless power and wisdom of his subconscious mind. And he began to shout, get out, get out. The big me is going to sing. His subconscious mind responded, releasing the vital forces within him. When the call came, he walked out on the stage and sang gloriously and majestically, enthralling the audience. It is obvious to you now that Caruso must have understood the two levels of the mind, the conscious or rational, and the subconscious or irrational level. Your subconscious mind is reactive and responds to the nature of your thoughts. When your conscious mind, the little me, is full of fear, worry, and anxiety, the negative emotions engendered in your subconscious mind, the big me, are released and flood the conscious mind with a sense of panic, foreboding, and despair. When this happens, you can, like Caruso, speak affirmatively and with a deep sense of authority to the irrational emotions generated in your deeper mind as follows. Be still. Be quiet. I am in control. You must obey me. You are subject to my command. You cannot intrude where you do not belong. It is fascinating and intensely interesting to observe how you can speak authoritatively and with conviction to the irrational movement of your deeper self, bringing silence, harmony, and peace to your mind. The subconscious is subjective to the conscious mind, and that is why it is called subconscious or subjective. All right. Thank you guys for reading so well. And again, I understand that there are a couple different versions. I think the Kindle version is different than the paperback that we uh, have on our on our um, <clears throat> PSLA Amazon store. But if you're following along, you can kind of just follow where everyone is. The exact same gist is being said, even though some of the language varies a little bit, but it's all good. Um, I have the paperback, and I think Amina has the Kindle. The iBook. She has the iBook. So it was a little different, but I was able to follow along just fine, and I got the the, the meaning. So <clears throat> I'd like to open the group up for discussion. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? We have one more section in this chapter to read, but for right now, what are your thoughts on the chap on what we just read, and any insights that you may have had with the chapter? I'm trying to find what I had. Uh 
underlined here. Um, I mean, it's, you know, it's stuff that we've, we've read before, like the principle of it, but it's just always interesting when you read it um, or hear it in a, in a different form, how it's like, oh yeah. And I don't know that, and I'm not a gardener by any means. <laughs> like I have no green thumb, but I don't know, the garden metaphor, like totally worked for me. And, and that's just kind of the image that I've been trying to hold in my mind, like during the week, because I've been trying to work with this principle of like, okay, do I want to grow ragweed or roses? That's good. Does anyone, can, could anyone relate to the big me, little me story? Mm-hmm. Yes. Georgina, could you elaborate? What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, it just, you know, it was a really good, um, was a really good illustration of that. And it, you know, it really reminds me of the, you know, as you meditate more and as you get quieter, you can, you have more of the big, big me that, you know, like for me, I feel like it's like the observer, the, you know, the higher self, the bigger, you know, the the bigger part of me and then the, of course, the little part of me. I never really thought of them as the conscious and the subconscious minds. I thought of them more as, you know, higher self and world self kind of thing. Um, The thing that's interesting to me is how he used the, he actually had a conversation with the two, you know, instead of, Mm. instead of just the big me telling the little me to Mm -hmm. shut up, (laughs) he let the little me actually speak and then also um, had the big me then, you know, after the little me, I don't know if this was deliberate or or not, but the little me got its self-ability to express and then the big me came over and took charge. So um, as opposed to the, because I think what I, I, I feel like sometimes I try through my conscious mind to just squash out the fears um, without giving them expression. So I think there's something in that, you know, um, being able to identify, express, and then, and then take, and then take charge from the, from the place where you want to be. Um, the one, the one thing that I had some confusion about, and it's kind of, it's kind of like, um, you know, with hypnosis, I I have always felt like hypnosis says under the premise that you're seeding the subconscious mind to influence conscious mind, which would then make you think that the conscious mind was subject to the subconscious mind. But here in the last sentence, it says that the conscious, the subconscious is subject to the conscious. So I think, you know, this, gave me some realizations, but it also brought up some questions that I didn't necessarily have before. Like, which direction are you really working? Are you, are you working in both directions? Are you working through the subconscious to influence the conscious? Um, Because, you know, if you're using the conscious, I'm sorry if I'm getting really too heady about this, but um, if you're using the conscious to just influence the subconscious, then that's like positive affirmation. But the subconscious, kind of needs to be reprogrammed instead of just, um, you know, put something over top of it. 
So I, I don't know what you can make of that, Jesse. I'm well, sure there, you know, I'd love your you, feedback. Yeah. Well, how do you think you reprogram your subconscious mind? Well, I mean, you have to deliberately reprogram your conscious mind, whether you go in or you have what a hypnotherapist, you know, a hypnotherapist would not go in. So it, so I guess it does have to be through conscious thought. Well, you just gave a beautiful example of how you reprogram your subconscious mind. What was that? What was the example you just gave? By using what? I don't know. What did What did you say? What did I you say? You just said it. You just said a it. Hypnotherapy. No. Well, I mean, I'm sure hypnotherapy, but affirmation. There you go, Miss Fang. Uh huh. Yeah, that's how we begin to train our subconscious mind. And this book, we get it goes into auto suggestion about. Um, all that, but let's continue to read a little bit because I think it's going to offer a little light onto actually just that question. So the next section we're going to read, and Georgina, um, why don't you actually uh, read it with uh, Tom, Tom and Georgina, will be the outstanding differences and modes of operation. Okay. You will perceive the main differences by the following illustration, the conscious mind is like the navigator or captain at the bridge of the ship. Okay, this starts to answer the question. Thank you. Um, he directs the ship and signals orders to men in the engine room who in turn control all of the boilers, instruments, gauges, etc. The men in the engine room do not know where they are going. They follow orders. They would go on the rocks they would go on the rocks if the man on the bridge issued faulty or wrong instructions based on his findings with the compass, sextant, or other instruments. The men in the engine room obey him because he is in charge and issues orders which are automatically obeyed. Members of the crew do not talk back to the captain. They simply carry out orders. The captain is the master of his ship, and his decrees are carried out. In the same way, your conscious mind is the captain and master of your ship, your body, your environment, and all your affairs. Your subconscious mind takes the orders you give it based on what your conscious mind believes and accepts as true. It does not question the orders on the basis on, on the basis on which they are given. Uh, when you repeatedly say to people, I can't afford it, then your subconscious mind takes you to the word, takes you at your word and sees to it that you will not be in the position to purchase what you want. As long as you persist in saying, I can't afford the car, the trip to Europe, that home, that fur coat, or ermine wrap, you can rest assured that your subconscious mind will follow your orders and you will go through life experiencing the lack of all the th- all these things. Okay. One Christmas Eve, a young woman named Nina W., who is a student at the University of Southern California, strolled through an exclusive shopping area in Beverly Hills. Her mind was filled with anticipation. She was about to spend the holidays with her family in Buffalo, New York. 
as Nina passed the window shop, a beautiful Spanish leather shoulder bag caught her eye. She looked at it yearningly. Then she noticed the price tag and gasped. Okay, let's turn that page. Come on. Okay. She was about to say to herself, I could never afford such an expensive bag. Then she remembered something she had heard me say at one of my lectures. Never finish a negative statement. Reverse it immediately, and wonders will happen in your life. She said, that bag is mine. It is for sale. I accept it mentally, and I, my subconscious sees to it that I receive it. Later that day, Nina met her fiancé for a send-off dinner. He arrived with an elegantly wrapped gift under his arm. Holding her breath, she unwrapped it. There was the identical leather shoulder shoulder bag she had looked at and identified as her own that same morning. She had filled her mind with the thought of expectancy. Then she turned over the matter over to her her deeper mind, which has the power of accomplishment. This young girl, a student of the University of Southern California, said to me, I didn't have the money to buy that bag, but now I know where to find money and all the things I need, and that is in the treasure house of eternity within me. Yep. <clears throat> okay, so let's discuss. Ellie, do you have any thoughts? Yes, sorry, I was on mute. Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Hello? Oh, okay. Um, I found it, by the way. And um, I... It kind of, that principle I has worked for me, and actually um, from previous uh, books that we have read, I don't remember exactly which one, but just the principles we've studied in PSA, I've um, incorporated that in my thoughts, and it's amazing what has um, just everything has worked out with that. I always always say positively like no matter what like for instance right now i'm trying to go to school i'm going to get my master's degree so i have to come up with fifty six thousand dollars within the next two years to try to go to school and of course it i mean i have kids i have a new partner now who has these kids and i mean it's just a full-time job at home and now they're trying to keep a job and trying to go to school full-time and anybody could be like okay i'm going to be defeated this is never going to happen this is just never going to happen I can have that mindset or stay positive and that my subconscious, it has the complete solution for it all. There is all the money I need out there. There's the perfect schedule and time management for me to do everything. And I just believe that. I totally, totally, within my whole entire being, believe that. And little by little, things are just starting to come and manifest i'm like what how in the world is this happening but just it's everything is just falling into place and i believe it's i'm not letting my conscious of negative thinking rule my thoughts i'm allowing my subconscious and it's 
all wonder, divine being take over my life. And it's been amazing. So that's my thought. It is amazing. And I would even suggest that when you say, I have to come up with $66,000, you could even go to the extent of saying, I'm giving my subconscious mind, I'm giving my higher holy self the assignment of creating $66,000 so that I can do this program with ease. Oh, I love that. I'm writing that down. Right? Because if, you, if you're giving yourself the task, then, you know, you have to work with all of the stuff, the limiting ideas, thoughts, beliefs that come up on a regular. But if you just give the assignment to, I'm giving this assignment to my spirit, my authentic self, my highest, holiest self, that within me that knows all the directions, all the possibilities, that knows the fastest, easiest routes. I'm giving that the uh, assignment of creating $66,000 easily, then let's just see what happens then. Jesse, could you nutshell that again, please? I was trying to write that down and I got lost. <laughs> uh, giving the, uh, what are you, about what? Yeah, It's hard for me right. to see that stuff because sometimes it just comes through. <laughs> so I, I suggested that she give her spiritual consciousness that within her that knows the way, the easiest way, the assignment of creating that money for her. Because if she takes it on herself, then she's going to have to, you know, I mean, that feels like a big load. Now, one day, maybe in the next month or so, $56,000 is going to be like toothpicks to Ellie. And she'll be tithing tens of thousands of dollars a year to Project Service, which is going to be great. And so I'm giving that assignment to That's right. higher, higher consciousness. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, yeah, so it is through just like what, that is a form of affirmation, like Georgina said. That is how we begin to train our subconscious mind. I love the example of our subconscious mind being like the guys in the steam room under the ship. They're just doing what the captain's orders are. So if our conscious mind is like the captain, then the subconscious mind is going to create whatever the captain orders. But it comes down to really a belief system. Because if the captain, because usually if you, if you don't mean it, if there's a part of you that doesn't believe what you're saying, you're going to have the experience of not believing. You know, you're not, it's going to feel like it's not working. And so that's why we gradually, sort of like what Ellie just shared, it's a gradual expansion, a gradual growth. Generally, as we shift our consciousness, it's like penguin steps, little tiny steps in, in the direction. But let's continue. Let's continue with our search and our discussion here, yes? So um, let's turn to Chapter 2. Uh, there's a section called Differences Between Conscious and Subconscious, which I think is going to give us even more clarity. Differences between... Uh, do you mean differences... Uh, um, Jesse, uh, do you mean this... Is that the same thing as outstanding differences and modes of... Op- where is that? I don't know if I have a different version. Conscious. No, we just read that. Oh, okay. Um, 
Is it is there a conscious and subconscious term differentiated? How about that? Yes. Yes. Okay, that's what we're gonna read. Hmm. And uh Ellie, do you see that? I certainly do. I'm right on it. All right, Ellie, you're gonna read the whole section. So let's all listen okay. to Ellie and Ellie, I'm just gonna invite you to read slowly so that um our subconscious mind can um, support us in having the insights necessary. So uh, slowly and clearly, go ahead and take it, girlfriend. All right. You must remember that these are not two minds. There are merely two spheres of activity within one mind. Your conscious mind is the reasoning mind. It is that phase of mind which chooses. For example, you choose your books, your home, and your partner in life. You make all your decisions with your conscious mind. On the other hand, without any conscious choice on your part, your heart is kept functioning automatically, and the process of digestion, circulation, and breathing are all are carried on by your subconscious mind through processes independent of your conscious control. Your subconscious mind accepts what is impressed upon it, of what you consciously believe. It does not reason things out like your conscious mind, and it does not argue with you controversially. Your subconscious mind is like the soil, which accepts any kind of seed, good or bad. Your thoughts are active and might be likened onto seeds. Negative, destructive thoughts continue to work negatively in your subconscious mind, and in due time will come forth into outer experience, which corresponds with them. Remember, your subconscious mind does not engage in proving whether your thoughts are good or bad, true or false, but it responds according to the nature of your thoughts or suggestions. For example, if you consciously assume something is true, even though it may be false, your subconscious mind will accept it as true and proceed to bring about results, which must necessarily follow, because you consciously assumed it to be true. Okay, well, that's some good stuff. Now, I've heard that the universe is a yes machine, a yes machine. So it will say yes to whatever it is that you are putting out there. So, too, is your subconscious mind. It's just saying yes. So let's say if you're consciously saying, I'm broke, I'm broke, I don't have enough, I don't have enough, I'm broke. What's the subconscious mind saying? Is it saying, no, you are an infinite child of possibility, you are an extension of God, all the abundance in the universe is within you, it's free and solved. Or is it saying, well, we operate in this realm, uh, it, there's laws of cause and effect, and so your, the cause is your thought that I'm broke, so the effect will be, the experience of you being broke. So I'm saying, yes, yes, you're broke. Yes, you don't have enough money. Yes, let's create more and more experiences of you being broke without enough money. I'm unlovable. No one likes me. I'm too ugly to have a partner. I'm too this. I'm too short. I'm too whatever. Your subconscious mind will say, yes, yes, let's make more experiences of you being broke and unlovable and ugly and undesirable. Yes. So... Like we just discussed, we can change the dialogue, change the instructions, give better 
instruction. Give more desirable instruction. And we discussed, you know, how do we work with that until we can believe it? We become willing. We've talked about that to non-being in this class. We become willing. I am willing to feel abundant. I am willing to feel prosperous. I am willing. And then that just starts to warm up the conscious mind and start playing nicely with your subconscious mind. Thoughts, questions? The big takeaway with this section is your subconscious mind does not differentiate. Your subconscious mind is a yes machine. So what are you having it say yes to? That's up to you. Jesse? Yeah. Georgina, I just want to say I'm so grateful that we're going into this level of detail, like the nuts and bolts of it, because I think I had a, a... I think I did and still do. I think I'm kind of unwinding it and uh, disaligning belief in there around the flow of which way it goes. And um, uh, we'll be talking more about that in our session on Friday. <laughs> but I'm really, really grateful we're going into this level of detail. Thank you. Yeah, just wait, sweetheart. You're going to be so – no, I'm not. You're going to be so inspired and ready to rock by the end of this quarter. You're going to be so grateful. <laughs> You're gonna be. You're gonna be. I almost said something gross. Gratitude will be coming out of your ears. That's what I'll say. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Next section. Uh, we're just gonna have Amina read. The subconscious cannot reason like your conscious mind. There's something similar to that here. Uh, what is what is It's the next. It's the. It's the very next one. I think so. No wait. No, the next one I have is experiment. The term subject and objective mind reference? Um, let's go, let's actually go, we're going to skip that part. So it's the one after it's clarified. The subconscious cannot reason. Okay, so we're going to the section, the subconscious cannot reason like your conscious mind, read by Ms. Amina Sanchez. Your subconscious mind cannot argue controversially. Hence, if you give it wrong suggestions, it will accept them as true and will proceed to bring them to pass as conditions, experiences, and events. All things that have happened to you are based on thoughts impressed on your subconscious mind through belief. If you have conveyed erroneous concepts to your subconscious mind, the sure method of overcoming them is by the repetition of constructive, harmonious thoughts frequently repeated which your subconscious mind accepts, thus forming new and healthy habits of thought and life. For your subconscious mind is the seat of habit. The habitual thinking of your conscious mind establishes deep grooves in your subconscious mind. This is very favorable for you if your habitual thoughts are harmonious, peaceful, and constructive. If you have indulged in fear, worry, and other destructive forms of thinking, the remedy is to recognize the omnipotence of your subconscious mind and decrease freedom, happiness, and perfect health. Your subconscious mind, being creative and one with your divine source, will proceed to create the freedom and happiness which you have earnestly decreed. Tom, would you go ahead and just read the next section, please? 
tremendous power of suggestion. As you can see by what we have already discussed, your conscious mind serves as the watchman at the gate. One of its most crucial functions is to protect your subconscious mind from false impressions. The reason this is so important goes back to one of the basic laws of mind. Your subconscious mind is very sensitive to suggestion. As you know, your subconscious mind does not make comparisons or contrasts. It does not. It doesn't reason and things things out over for itself. This latter function belongs to your conscious mind. No, your subconscious mind simply reacts to the impressions given to it by your conscious mind. It does not pick out, pick and choose among different different courses of action. It merely takes what it is given. Suggestion is a tremendously powerful force. Imagine that you are aboard a ship that is rocking a bit from side to side. You approach a timid-looking fellow passenger and say, Gee, you don't look so hot. Your face is practically green. I'm afraid you're about to be seasick. Can I help you to your cabin? The passenger turns pale. The suggestion you have just made about seasickness links up with her own fears and forebodings. She lets you escort her to her down below down below decks. When she is there, your negative suggestion, which she accepted, comes true. Okay, so what this is suggesting, and what I love, the phrase I love is place a watchman at the gate. Place a watchman at the gate of your subconscious mind. Be careful what you're letting in. <laughs> Be careful what you're letting in. It's like the affirmation. Let me just finish this thought. It's like the affirmation. Yeah. Why? Given the opportunity to choose, why on earth would you choose to energize negative beliefs, thoughts, and things about yourself? (laughs) You know? Why not affirm the truth about yourself? Now, we can go a little further, and we'll talk about this later is getting really conscious about what you're letting in passively, as in the music you listen to, the shows you watch on TV, Mm. the books you're reading. All that stuff is pregnant with suggestion. Okay, Mm. thoughts, ideas? Yeah, I have a question, Jesse, about that. Um, So... Going through life with, you know, with the intention for a spiritual path and to um, not be walking around the world defensively or guarded, but to be open and loving. Um, what, what I find is some of the times when I'm the most joyful and, and you know, actively feeling expanded and and loving is when I uh, am very susceptible to someone coming in with something very negative and just kind of allowing it to come in from, you know, unexpectedly because my, my you know what I mean? Like 
without my guard up. So can you speak to that about how to have a watchman at the gate without um, having to be protecting yourself or have your guard up and and how when you're kind of in this expanded place um, and you're not really expecting um, discouragement or negativity or attack to come your way and it does, you know, how do you handle that? Well, I would start with releasing the belief that when you're joyful, you're more susceptible to negative uh, negative suggestions. Because even in, within that is a belief that your subconscious mind must say yes to, right? And so yeah. if you have a belief that when I'm joyful, I'm more susceptible to someone mm-hmm. throwing a stink on me and me taking it, mm-hmm. you know? Now, um, I find that as we begin to transform our thinking as we become vigilant in sort of the purification process, releasing thoughts, ideas, beliefs that feel unloving, shameful, resentful, heavy, and as we replace those with new thoughts, the new thought movement, new thoughts of abundance and power and love, success and all that yummy stuff, um, we just tend to, you know, they say that we attract new things. I think that the mystics would say we start projecting a lovelier experience in life. Um, one thing that somebody did to me once, as I, I remember I it was years ago, I was going through it with money and I compared finances with cancer. And the person goes, whoa! And he just goes, delete, 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 delete. I am not taking that on. That's not going to be anywhere around me. And I thought, oh, wow. It's like, so he was being, from a very loving space, loving towards himself, vigilant and saying, nope, not taking that on. I'm not interested in mm-hmm. that at all. And so, you know, even the idea of I need to be guarded, plants in the, uh, plant seed in your subconscious mind that there's something out there to attack you, that there's something mm-hmm. that is coming to get you, that there's something to be guarded against. Now, I think that there's a different there's a difference between being vigilant and being guarded. Because vigilant mm-hmm. is I'm standing in the integrity of my commitment to see a loving world. That's what I'm interested in. So that which is not aligned with it, I'm not picking up. And so if there is a belief that I can be attacked, that people are out to get me, that there are, um, you know, bullies out there, then there is going to be a, a, a natural... Uh, your subconscious, conscious mind, subconscious mind are going to create together this mm-hmm. defensiveness, this guardedness, this idea that I have to be guarded because people are going to get me. And that's the vic- sort of that victim mentality. So as we begin to take responsibility for, you know, we're introduced to the idea that our thoughts create. Cool. What am I interested in creating? Okay. Allow my thoughts to be aligned with that. How do I do that? I become willing to feel uh, happy. I become willing to feel loving. I become willing to do that. I become aware of, conscious of the thoughts that arise within my mind that create discomfort. I release them. I replace them with more loving thoughts. And that's just the work. That's how we strengthen our mental musculature. And then when someone seems to be attacking us or trying to, you know, plant seeds of negativity or sustain in our conscious mind, we just say, not interested, or thank you for sharing. You don't have to pick it up. And then we become 
more vigilant. What I find is you just become less interested in certain things. You become less interested to watching, you know, violence on the television. You just become a little less interested in listening to songs that are degrading to women. You sort of become less interested. And I mean, that's my experience. I don't know whatever, you know, you might feel joyful listening to specific things that I feel that I don't love, you know. That's what makes it all fun and lovely that we're all unique in that capacity. But um, still, you know, I think that as we continue to do the work, then it becomes a little, there's less effort involved in it. Does that make sense? But I'd invite you to explore the idea of needing that there's something out there that we have to be guarded against. Now, placing guards at the gates of your subconscious mind just is, is saying be vigilant in your commitment. Be rooted, grounded in your commitment of um, what you're allowing to come into your subconscious mind. And so if someone says something to you that feels whatever, that's trying to, it feels as though they're trying to like harsh your, your buzz, your love buzz you got going on, you can, that's when you, when you can really visualize it coming towards the gate of your subconscious mind and say, nope, you're not coming in. I'm letting you go. There's another party you can go to somewhere else. I'm letting in. I'm going to continue to let in all this good stuff. Does that make sense? Got it. Perfect. Thank you. Sure. Anyone else who else has some thoughts about this? Yeah, if you, for me, if you look at the commercials on TV, okay, and you see most commercials are upbeat and bubbly and all that stuff, and that's where they get you your, your ads. And especially, you know, look at commercials uh, on on restaurants and stuff. They get you when you're at the dinner table. However, there's a, a little thing on the on your remote called a mute. You can put that mute on. You know, I put my mute on, you know, when the commercials come on because I'm not interested in uh, most of what the commercials are are going for. But if you take that same uh, technique, you know, that the, that the um, commercials use, and then uh, you can uh, turn that around and say, okay, I'm going to program my uh, subconscious mind with uh, what I want, and you can uh, be upbeat and bubbly on what you're programming it, your subconscious mind is more apt to take that than it will the negative ones, as long as you are still vigilant about what you're allowing. And and, uh, uh, one of my former ministers, she would say, you know, on something that she didn't want, you know, somebody would say something, you know, and she'd just say, cancel, cancel. You know, that's all she had to say. You know, she was not going to allow any of the negative programming to come into her. And that's what we need to do is uh, we can put on the mute and say, cancel, cancel, so something that we do not want to accept in our life. Beautiful. Yeah, for sure. That's a great, that's a great suggestion. I mean, thank God for um, DVRs that we can just fast forward through the commercials now, right? <laughs> I just wanted to add something. Um, the importance we've been talking about the positive affirmations, but the importance of having the truth that you can immediately bring in when you have a thought that's coming up that's not positive or that's destructive, or if the ego is chattering. You, you know, if I was talking to somebody today, 
and she was saying, you know, she's so depressed and she's so miserable and she's doing all the work. And I'm like, okay, well, how are your thoughts? And she's like, they're terrible, <laughs> you know. And so she believes it when she's doing the work, but then in the in-between places, her thoughts are running wild and they're negative and they're horrible and they're terrifying. And and I said, you know, keep track of what the the the, the top headline of the, the negative thoughts and write a, a positive response, the truth, so that and have it on a card so you can just flip it as soon as it comes in so that you're not trying to remember the truth or trying to figure something out or talk yourself into it when you're in that ego state. You just have it already ready to go. Well, I mean, that's why people put positive sayings around their house. Yeah. You know, um, and that's why it's suggested first thing before your feet touch the ground in the morning that you think about what you're grateful for. Why? Because if you start your suggestion early, you're looking for what you're grateful for, for what's good, what's working, and then you're affirming to your subconscious mind, my life works, my life works, my life works. There's abundance out there, there's love out there, there's good out there, my life works. And then guess what? Your subconscious mind is going to support you in creating more experiences of your life working. But if you start the day off with, I don't want to get up, I don't want to go to work, I hate work, you know, ugh, traffic is going to be a bitch, I have to find some place to park, I don't want to go on that date, ugh, everyone in L.A. is just interested about sex, they're probably too skinny, ugh, I don't want to start working out, everyone there is going to look at me weird, and they're going to judge me, and I'm going to get sick and throw up and be a, have a heart attack right there in the middle of the gym, I don't want to, yeah, exactly, so it's cancel, 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 versus Today is full of possibility. I give this day over to my highest self, that big me, the part of me that knows the best route to take, the part of me that knows the best songs to listen to, the part of me that knows the best conversations to have. I trust that the perfect people are coming in front of me today to support me in living a life I love, how good it is to know that there's so much good out there for me to experience and express. Now, it's not magic. It's literally principle. And it's even mentioned here, like we said before, we try to fix the effects. We try to fix, you know, we go on the diet. We, we, we move into a different state because, oh, it's, everything's awful in L.A. I know that Seattle is going to be perfect and it's going to be great. But we're not fixing the cause. The cause is the thoughts that we are, the seeds we're planting in our subconscious mind. You know, so if you're interested in having a new experience in life, it must begin with the thoughts we think. We know that now. That's our job. That's our work as practitioners, to become vigilant in purifying our thinking so we can demonstrate the power of the principle. Stephen, your thoughts? Well, I was just thinking about... um where you're uh, with the affirmation thing, like um, my room and my truck look like a scene out of Memento. Like I just have so many post-its like everywhere, but, uh, and most of them change like periodically, but I have two that are sort of my constants. One. Sweet angel, you're breaking up. I can't hear you. Jesse? 
Yeah, there you are. We're going to hear you. Oh. Up. <laughs> okay, so so my posts change, you know, quite a bit, but I have two that are are, are constant. One's on my bathroom mirror, so I see it every morning when I brush my teeth and shave before I leave, and it says lots can happen, and I remind myself of that like constantly during the day. And then I have one uh, that's on the dash of my truck before I get out at work that says, be kind, or at least don't be an asshole. Okay. (laughs) So, so, you know what I mean? So where it's like, okay, if I can't, if it, for whatever reason, I can't be kind, don't be the problem. We'll revisit that. <laughs> we'll revisit that. And you know what? I, and I'm just saying that because we're, in, we're now we're in quarter two, so it's not like we're – I don't feel like I have to gently massage the solution here. Uh, in fact, why don't we right now, Stephen, what could be an, more, what could be an even more empowering affirmation than at least don't be an asshole? Because from what I know of you – uh, that should be the least of your concern ever because that is just not who you are. That shouldn't even be on the, the thing. And we have to be aware, Stephen, and this is serious, we have to be aware that what we focus on, we will create. So even if the focus is on don't be an asshole, the, the focus of that is asshole. And so what you're really planting the seeds of in there is be an asshole. Or or you're affirming that that uh, that you have a real potential to be an asshole. There's There's always that that possibility within you. So let's just throw that out because you're a child of God. You're an extension of perfect love. You are powerful and abundant. You are a strong, powerful, beautiful man. And so to say that the, the, the that asshole is even on the table in the realm of possibility is playing such a small game that I'm not going to accept for you at all. I Yeah. And I get the humor thing, too. And listen, like, I understand that there's even humor in that, but we've even talked about yeah. how we sabotage ourselves by going for the joke. I mean, well, that's a perfect example of sabotaging your own self. I'll give, you an, I'll give you an example. So, and I think we talked about this uh, before the end of last quarter uh, at some point of where I, I was saying, you know, at work I had this one person that, you know, mm-hmm. in the past has been sort of the button pusher and it's, you know, really seems to like conflict, all this stuff. And so it everything was kind of coming to a head this week and, and some stuff went down of where it was like, okay, this is not the best fit for him anymore. This is not the best place for him. It's not the best place for any of us. And so I had this moment of where I was like, okay, it's it's hammer time. And then I was able to like, before I even talked to him, I was like, okay, you know what, Stephen, pause. What's another way to see this? Like, what is what's pushing his button? Because you, you, the two of you, as different as you think you are, you have the same light in you. You're both from the same creator. You know what pushes your buttons. What's pushing his? And so, like, you know, just peeling layer upon layer of like, okay, this. I feel his actions are stemming from fear. So then when I was able to go into the conversation today, I didn't go into it in this like combat- combative stance of where, you know, I'm like, I'm the defender. It was like, okay, let's just talk. Like, 
person to person here. Like, I, I don't think that you're happy here. This, these are my observations. Now you, now your turn. Like, tell me, yo, what's up? And, and so we were able to talk in a way that wasn't, like, didn't have to get, you know, volatile or bitchy or any of that stuff. And like I said, because at the moment when it happened, I had this, like, split second of where I was like, okay, how do I want to, who do I want to be in this situation? Do I want to be the perfect loving child of God or do I want to be a jerk? And it's like, you know, it's those split second things of where you're like, okay, which road do I want to go down here? And so it was like, you know, it's like Tom said with the mute button of like, okay, mute all this chatter, like all this negative, toxic chatter, and just get to the heart. Like go, go deep, like get beyond all this superficial stuff. So so I think that there's – I appreciate what you say, but I feel like, yeah, you always have like a split-second moment in traffic if someone cuts you off. I could be the asshole and flip you off, or I can be like, oh, wait, okay, go ahead. You're in a rush. Go ahead, go ahead. So that's my feeling. I, I hear you, and you're totally right. You're absolutely right. There's always a choice. There's always a choice. But... What I'm inviting you to consider, Stephen, is what if you took the other option off the table? Yeah. What if there was no, what if there was no asshole option? There was no jerk beeping option. What if you took it off the table? And yeah. I would suggest, yeah. you know, a possibility for a different affirmation that you keep in your car is be kind. You can't be kind. At least don't be an asshole. What if you just that was great. I'm sure it served you. It got you to this point, obviously, because now you're having this conversation. Every experience in your life has led you to have this conversation right now. And what if it was, instead of be kind and if not, just don't be an asshole, was what would love do? Mm, I like that. And let that just be it always. So whenever you're faced with anything, it's not a, well, I could do this or this. It's just that question is what would love do? Yeah, I like that. What would love do here? And mm-hmm. so when you are going to talk to your coworker who there's been, you know, sparks with in the past, you stop and you just ask, what would love do? And then mm-hmm. you can affirm to yourself, I am committed to being loving. Mm-hmm. I am committed to being loving. And then I what seeds are you planting in your subconscious mind? You're not, I'm not committed, you're not committed to not being an asshole. That feels right. like such a small game to play, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and, totally. I get that. I like that. I like that idea. Yeah, and so, and I'm not making you wrong here, but I do feel like... No, and I don't, I, I'm as not receiving it that way. <laughs> as, my, as, my, as my brother, and speaking to the truth of who you are, mm-hmm. you can play a bigger game. Mm-hmm. And that's And that's taking off the table, the possibility that asshole would even be an option. Right. Consider putting that on. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Totally. What would love to? And you may have just given me my idea for my next tattoo. (laughs) Well, (laughs) next tattoo. Okay. This is spiritually inspired people. Before we go get tattoos, just uh, shoot me an email. All right, guys. 
five-minute break at 7.42. I'll see you back at 7.47. Uh, Take a potty, refresh your tea, but do not hang up your phone. Keep your phone on, but stay on mute, and we will get into round two um, after the break. Five minutes.
Okay, everyone, we are back. We are back. We are back. So, any um, anybody have any other thoughts, insights, any ahas on the break that you'd like to share? Any questions? Is anyone there? I'm here. Uh, I'm here. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll, I'll, share, I'll share something, Jesse. Sure. Uh, this is Georgina. Um, it's kind of cool because, um, you know, we've been selling our house and we had this buyer and the process was really difficult and arduous and then, you know, he couldn't get his loan and, and this, you know, this time I, we were trying to make this thing happen, I had this vision of what I really wanted in a buyer. And I was like, this is not him. This is not who I want to buy our house. And I was able to be really clear on exactly what I wanted, that I wanted someone that just walked in and said, I love this place, and hopped on it with no questions and wasn't haggling over price and, you know, and was just very enthusiastic and generous. Um, with a strong offer, and so the guy, the guy that you know was really dragging his feet, finally canceled on us, and um, I was able to just kind of shift my mind to going, okay, well, at the beginning of the year, we're going to list it, and we're going to create this other buyer. And three days after we listed it, it's exactly what we felt. It, it just feels exactly the same, and. Now we're in escrow for, you know, 20 grand more, and he's already scheduling his inspection. And, and it's just really, really powerful to see that actually happen, you know. Um, and then on the other side with the house, you know, in this uh, that we're going to buy, we've been feeling like, okay, we want to get rid of our mortgage so we have low expenses. And so we've been believing that we can't have what we want because we have to buy a substandard house so that we can buy it outright. And so during this conversation tonight, I realized we can do the same thing with the house we're buying that we did with the buyer we wanted. So, um, so it's, you know, it's nice to see the places where you can see what your thoughts are creating what you do want and then where your thoughts are creating what you don't want to be able to, you know, start become aware of that. So if you were going to teach, explain what you just said about your bias uh, mm-hmm. to a group of uh, sixth graders, how would you explain it? Make it super simple. What did you do? So, so what, what was happening? So how did you change your mind and what was the, what was the result? Well, I was really, I was really clear on what I wanted um, because I have so much love for our home, and you know, I was drawn to real estate because I love seeing people be happy in a home, like with the properties I've rented and stuff. And so I knew that I wanted someone to really love this home, and you know, and what that means is that they come in and they're just like, oh my God, this is it. This is so cool. And they don't let all uh, doubts and, you know, playing games get in the way. Um, so, so I just knew, I just had a really clear I, uh, identification of what I felt like, uh, 
and what and was able even able to verbalize what I wanted in like five or six different characteristics. Um, and so when the other buyer showed up, it felt totally different. And I was like, this isn't what I want. And once we let that go, the other person was able to step into that space that I created that, that vision. That probably wasn't a third grader conversation. <laughs> um, so, so anyway, what I was able to do is I was able to create a vision, like a feel and a description of what we characteristics of what we wanted, and then when what showed up showed up, it didn't match, and uh, it wasn't until we could let go of what didn't match that the what did match could come in and step into the that space. So once you got clear, once you reminded yourself of what it is that you were interested in, that would the thing that didn't align with that fell away, and yeah. the thing that you were interested in presented itself. Yeah. As if by magic. Yes, very quickly, and uh, yes. which is, I wanted oh, it to be that easy. Nice to know that it can be quick, too, huh? Hmm? Nice to know that it can be quick as well, huh? Yeah, quick and easy. Quick and easy, that's what I'm about. Mm-hmm. All right, everybody. <clears throat> All right, everyone. So, <clears throat> let us take our... Byron Katie booklet, a little, the work of Byron Katie booklet. I'm going to do a little introduction on Byron Katie, and then we're going to do some reading, and uh, it's going to start setting us up for how we're going to start working with her work. And we're going to be with Byron Katie all quarter. Uh, Mid-quarter, we'll drop subconscious mind, and then we'll start reading Paul and Tipping's uh, Radical Forgiveness. But Katie will be the undercurrent through the entire quarter, Okay. It's the quarter of Katie. I'm going to read the introduction. Feel free to read along with me. The work of Byron Katie is a way to identify and question the thoughts that cause all the suffering in the world. It is a way to find peace with yourself and with the world. Anyone with an open mind can do this work. Byron Kathleen Reed became severely depressed while in her 30s. Over a 10-year period, her depression deepened. And for the last two years, Katie, as she is called, was seldom able to leave her bedroom. Then one morning, from the depths of despair, she experienced a life-changing realization. Katie saw that when she believed her thoughts, she suffered, and that when she didn't believe her thoughts, she didn't suffer. What had been causing her depression was not the world around her, but what she believed about the world around her. Ding, 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 ding. In a flash, a flash of insight, she saw that our attempts find happiness was backwards. Instead of hopelessly trying to change the world to match our thoughts about how it should be, we can question these thoughts and, by meeting reality as it is, experience unimaginable freedom and joy. As a result, a bedridden, suicidal woman became filled with love for everything life brings. Katie developed a simple yet powerful method of inquiry called the work that showed people how to free themselves. Her insight into the mind is consistent with leading-edge research in cognitive neuroscience, and the work has been compared to the Socratic dialogue, Buddhist teachings, and 12-step programs. But Katie developed her method without any knowledge of religion or psychology. The work is based purely on one woman's direct experience of how suffering is created and ended. It is astonishingly simple, 
accessible to people of all ages and backgrounds, and requires nothing more than a pen and paper and willingness to open the mind. Katie saw right away that giving people her insights or answers was of little value. Instead, she offers a process that can give people their own answers. The first people exposed to her work reported that the experience was transformational and soon began receiving invitations to teach the process publicly. And then, da 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 da, da she, she's written tons of shit, and it's all really good. <clears throat> okay? So pretty much what happened was one day, this woman, and what it didn't say was she actually checked herself into a halfway home uh, for people with eating disorders. She didn't have eating an eating disorder, but it was the only place that her insurance would cover. So she wouldn't even sleep in a bed. She would sleep on the floor. And it was either a rat or a cockroach when they crawled over her foot, and that's when she had the awakening. She pretty much woke up. Um, if you spend time with her and as we go into her teachings, she's pretty much... Uh, you know, kind of enlightened in a way, in a sense, uh, in that she sees clearly um, how it's all going down. And I got to go and watch her live uh, a few weeks ago, and I was what I was really observing is how she treated the people that worked with her. And she saw every single person. She looked in their eyes and she had a smile every time someone got in front of her. And she talked gently to them and lovingly to them and held their hand, and no, no matter what the message was, and she heard them. And I was like, okay, she's the real deal. I'm so happy to have the experience just to see that. So let's start exploring her work. And I'd like to just get this, some of the stuff just out of the way so we get clear on sort of what her method looks like. And then next week we're going to start exploring, uh, filling out some of the worksheets and working piece by piece of getting clear on how her work can support us in seeing where we're projecting our stink, as I call it, onto uh, other people. So it kind of uses our relationships as our, like much like the Course in Miracles does, as our sort of the path to freedom. Okay, so uh, we'll have um, Stephen and L.E., one more time we'll try this dynamic duo, read what is, is, starting with L.E., then Stephen. Page five of the booklet. The only time we suffer is when we believe a thought that argues with what is. When the mind is perfectly clear, what is is what we want. If you want reality to be different than it is, you might as well try to teach a cat to bark. You can try and try, and in the end, the cat will look up at you and say, meow. Wanting reality to be different than it is is hopeless. And yet, if you pay attention, you'll notice that you believe thoughts like this dozens of times a day. People should be kinder. Children should be well-behaved. My husband or wife should agree with me. I should be thinner or prettier or more successful. These thoughts are ways of wanting reality to be different than it is. If you think that this sounds depressing, you're right. All the stress that we feel is caused by arguing with what is. People new to the work often say to me, Ellie, Angel, my sweet angel. Ellie, you're an angel oh, and you're brilliant okay. and I love you. But Stephen's going to, you guys are going <laughs> to switch on and off. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> People new to the work often say to me, but it would be disempowering to stop my argument with reality. If I simply accept reality, I'll become passive. I may even lose the desire to act. I answer them with a question. 
can you really know that that's true? Which is more empowering? I wish I hadn't lost my job or I lost my job. What intelligent solutions can I find right now? Do you want me to continue, Jeff? Go ahead, Ellie. The work reveals that what you think shouldn't have happened, should have happened. It should have happened because it did happen. And no thinking in the world can change it. This doesn't mean that you condone it or approve it. It just means that you can see things without the assistance and without the confusion of your inner struggle. No one wants their children to get sick. No one wants to be in a car accident. But when things... Oh, my. But when these things happen, how can it be helpful to mentally argue with them? We know better than to do that, yet we do it because we don't know how to stop. I'm a lover of what is, not because I'm a spiritual person, but because it hurts when I argue with reality. We can know that reality is good just as it is because when we argue with it, we experience tension and frustration. We don't feel natural or balanced. When we stop opposing reality, action becomes simple, fluid, kind, and fearless. So, who's ever had the experience of wanting something else than what is actually happening? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Amina and I are here. We just, we're just laughing. We're like, uh-huh, yep, check. Anyone want to give an example of when uh, they really were upset about what is and wishing it was different? Well, I think most, like, past relationships, you know, of, you know, it, it oh, why don't they love me? Well, you know what I mean? And then this is completely different. If you look at it from this point of view, it's like, okay, they don't love me anymore in that way. Now what? Uh-huh. Good example. I used to... Uh have this thought, I wish I wasn't gay. Mm. It'd be so much easier if I wasn't gay. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet I was. <laughs> and yet there I was. And I tried to, I mean, think of, look at all of the, the, I mean, we know, we don't have to tell anyone, look at all the craziness that that unfolds because people are just trying to deny try, wishing they weren't gay. Mm. I just had a major realization, one of the beliefs that she said about I should be more successful is one that I've been saying to myself for years and um, really, really a way to stifle yourself because no matter what you do, you should be more successful. It's never, it's never enough. Uh-huh. Yep. Shall we read on? We will give it to uh, we'll give it to the ladies this time. We'll let Amina and Georgina read "Staying in Your Own Business." Amina will start, and Georgina, you will second. Staying in your own business. I can find only three kinds of business in the universe: mine, yours, and God's. For me, the word God means reality. Reality is God because it rules. 
Mm. Anything that's out of my control, your control, and everyone else's control, I call that God's business. Much of our stress comes from mentally living out of our own business. When I think, you need to get a job, I want you to be happy, you should be on time, you need to take better care of yourself, I am in your business. When I'm worried about earthquakes, floods, war, and when I will die, I am in God's business. If I am mentally in your business or in God's business, the effect is separation. I noticed this early in 1986 when I mentally went into my mother's business, for example, with a with thought like, my mother should understand me. I immediately experienced a feeling of loneliness. And I realized that every time in my life I had felt hurt or lonely, I had been in someone else's business. If you are living your life and I am mentally living your life, who's here living mine? We're both over there. Being in your business keeps me from being present in my own. I am separate from myself, wondering why my life doesn't work. To think that I know what's best for anyone else is to be out of my business. Even in the same, even in the name of love, it is pure arrogance, and the result is tension, anxiety, and fear. Do I know what's right for me? It, this is my only business. Let me work with that before I try to solve your problems for you. If you understand the three kinds of business enough to stay in your own business, it could free your life in a way that you can't even imagine. The next time you're feeling stress or discomfort, ask yourself whose business you're in mentally, and you may burst out laughing. That question can bring you back to yourself. And you may come to see that you've never really been present, that you've been mentally living in other people's business all your life. Just to notice that you're in someone else's business can bring you back to your own wonderful self. And if you, practice, if you practice it for a while, you may come to see that you don't have any business either and that your life runs perfectly well on its own. Okay, so who's ever been in someone else's business? Mm. Would anyone like to share a specific story in which they were in someone else's business and it created a bunch of upset in their life? I have about a billion stories for this, so <laughs> anyone else like to share? Ellie, when have you been in someone else's business? When has someone not acted the way you thought they should have acted and you let it make you miserable? Hmm. Um, recently? Whenever. Is this a- My acting partner. <laughs> uh-huh. I, I'm taking an acting. I'm taking an acting class, uh-huh. and she's this young, 23 year old. I've been taking acting for eight, 19 years, a long 18 years. She's been studying for a few, and um, I've been paired up with her as my scene partner. And she's this strong, 23 year old girl who just. You know, she just is trying to run the show. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I just sit back and 
tried to be compassionate and say, she's young, she's has all this energy, she's just, but I know, it's, you know, when you, not that I'm better in any way, I've just, you know, there's techniques that you know and you learn, and so that, I guess that would be the the, most, the best example I have right now, is that I, just, I just feel that um, I don't want to be bitchy or feel like I know it all or make her feel that way, but I feel that she's just trying to run something or give advice or where it just is not called for yet. She doesn't really know what she's talking about at this point. So, so and I'm if trying she to open- were to be more humble and if she were mm-hmm. to to honor the time that you put into honing your skills as an actress and if she would listen more, then you'd be less miserable in the situation. Mm-hmm. No, I don't even want her to listen to my. I'm. I'm. I always go in it thinking that I can learn something, because she might, you know, since she's younger, she has fresh ideas. She might have something that I can learn from. So I've been right. going but, her. Right. But for the but yeah. for the sake of this for the sake of this exercise. Oh, okay, okay, okay. For the sake of this exercise, Ellie. <laughs> okay. What, it, what could she change about herself to make you happy? And be would um, doing this work, we have to be one hundred percent willing to sound super unspiritual. Okay. Okay. So just whatever um, it is that she would come into it, um, saying, "Do you have any ideas? What do you think? How do you right. feel if about she, it?" So if she would treat you with a little more respect and and ask your opinion, then you would be happy. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like then because then I could give my opinion. I think we would flow like I'll try your idea why don't we try mine it would flow a little bit more versus exactly. all her ideas yeah so the invitation is to I mean using this method the invitation is to say what is is that she doesn't ask your opinion and she doesn't care <clears throat> and right. in that lies your freedom right to be to to Look forward to her not giving a shit about your opinion is where your freedom lies. You know, to completely accept 100% that she is perfect exactly as she is. There is not one thing that you would change about her. You know, so we realize that it's not her actions that are upsetting you. It's the thought that she should behave differently that creates upset. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so whose business are you in when you think she should act a different way? I'm in her business. Yeah, you're in her business. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And whose whose business are you in when you think you should have gotten a different partner? Um, I'm in my business. No, no. I guess her business still? Her business? No. Who's who's God's business? Oh, good one. Okay, God's business. Trick question. Yeah. So there's only three kinds of business. There's your business, their business, and God's business. And so if ever yeah. you're in upset, you can always stop yourself and say, whose business am I in right now? Mm. Oftentimes, I'm in my sister's business, my little sister's business. And when I am, I am so upset. But she is yeah. not living her life the way I think she needs to be living it. 
until I get into total upset. Let's read. Let's, let's continue to read. Meeting your thoughts with understanding. We'll let Tom and Amina read this one. So, Tom, you start and Amina will follow. Meeting your thoughts with understanding. A thought is harmless unless we believe it. It is not our thoughts, but the attachment to our thoughts that causes suffering. Attaching to a thought means believing that is true without inquiring. A belief is a thought that we've been attaching it to often for years. Most people think that they are what their thoughts tell them they are. One day I noticed that I wasn't breathing. I was being breathed. Then I also noticed to my amazement that I wasn't thinking. I was actually being thought and that thinking isn't personal. Do you wake up in the morning and say to yourself, I think I won't think today. It's too late. You're already thinking. Thoughts just appear. They come out of nothing and go back to nothing like clouds moving across the empty sky. They come to pass, not to stay. There is no harm in them until we attach to them as if they were true. No one has ever been able to control his thinking, although people may tell the story of how they have. Okay, let's turn that page. Okay, hold on. I can't let go of my thoughts. I meet them with understanding, and they let go of me. Thoughts are like the breeze, or the leaves on the trees, or the raindrops falling. They appear like that, and through inquiry, we can make friends with them. Would you argue with a raindrop? Raindrops aren't personal, and neither are thoughts. Once a painful concept is met with understanding, the next time it appears, you may find it interesting. What used to be the nightmare is now just interesting. The next time it appears, you may find it funny. The next time, you may not even notice it. This is the power of loving what is. Thoughts, insights, questions? So when I think, I'm disgusting, the thought doesn't mean anything. It's a thought. And that thought may never leave my experience, my thinking, my experience. So the day I die, I might have the thought, I'm disgusting. But when I don't attach to it, I don't have the experience of it being true. If I go into inquiry, I can go, I'm disgusting? Is that true? How do I know that's true? What if I turn that around? What's the opposite of I'm disgusting? I'm not disgusting, okay. Well, who would I be without the thought I'm disgusting? I'd be someone who loves himself. I'm interested in that. I'm going to be the guy that loves himself today. Thank you, I'm disgusting thought. Goodbye. And when it comes up again, I'll be like, oh, my God, there's that thought. Goodbye. And here it comes, oh, hey, I'm disgusting. How are you? All right. See you on the flip side. Bye. the thought, my mother should have been more well-traveled. Then I could have been smarter. I can stop and say, well, is that true? My mother should have been more well-traveled? 
she wasn't well-traveled. So should she have been more well-traveled? Is that true? Is that, is that really true? No, it doesn't seem to be. What's the opposite of my mother should have been more well-traveled? My mother shouldn't have been more well-traveled. What if I took that on? What, if, what, what am I really trying to say here? I should have been more well-traveled. Okay. So who would I be without the thought my mother should have been more well-traveled? I could just be enjoying my mother. Without the thought, she should have been more worldly or well-traveled. George Bush shouldn't have lied to America. Well, is that true? He shouldn't have lied to America? Is that true? Well, no. How do I know? Because he did. Okay. So who would I be without the thought George Bush shouldn't have uh, lied to America? I would be someone that can just look at the simple facts and not be affected by it. Amina? I'm just noticing the line here, no one has ever been able to control his thinking. So I recognize that our thoughts are going to come and go. And like, you know, if we're in meditation, even the most experienced meditation teachers and gurus have thoughts. We're going to have thoughts that we don't attach to them. Yet at the same time, what we're learning with cause and effect is that we have to be conscious of our thoughts and make sure that we're feeding our thoughts properly mm-hmm. and aligning our thoughts properly. So there's there's a little bit of mm-hmm. confusion there. Not really confusion, but, you know, it's like these thoughts are coming up, but we also have to have thoughts that are mindful and intentional. Yeah, so she says it's the attachment to the thought that creates the experience, right? And so if we can learn to, it's, I mean, it's the process. It's just the process. It's, it comes up and we explore it. We explore the thought. And then we choose a different thought. You just choose a different thought. And how many times do we do that? Until we don't have to anymore? Until it's gone? I don't know. Jesse? Yeah. I, I think uh, one of the things that I'm getting from this is... Um, not to resist, you know, not to resist the thought. So one of my common thoughts that I have is that I'm sick. Um, And then I get really mad at myself myself for thinking that because I know that I'm supposed to be more positive thinking about that and that I'm creating that I'm sick. And then that just makes me feel worse. But when I, in the moments where, you know, I can experience that I'm having that thought that I'm sick, without all the reaction and resistance to it, there's more of a peace, and then there is space to allow something else to come in or to put something new in because I'm not contracting around the thought and resisting the thought and wrestling with the thought and saying, no, I can't have that thought. I have to have this thought instead. Mm-hmm. Does, that make, does that make sense? Yeah. It's all process, guys. We're just going to learn different processes to support us in, like Georgina said, creating space in between the thoughts so we don't have to take them on. No, we can diffuse them through inquiry. We can take the power that we've given them away. And we can invest the power in something else, into reality, to what is, to how we're interested in feeling. And think about whenever you're in overwhelm or in anxiety, what really is it? It's just thoughts going at the speed of light. Thoughts, 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 thoughts. 
worry thoughts, stressful thoughts, hateful thoughts, stressful thoughts, worry thoughts, should have put it with it, need you, need you, need you, not enough time, not enough resources, not good enough, not smart enough, da 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 And that's what creates anxiety and stress and overwhelm, right? So if we can learn to just stop, I mean, and Byron Katie, she, she created this because she was so overwhelmed with her thinking that she wouldn't even sleep in a bed. She thought she was so unworthy that she didn't even deserve to sleep in a bed. So she was on the floor of a halfway house when she woke up and been like, oh, my God, it's just the thoughts. <laughs> Let us read um, the next part here. So we'll have uh, Tom. Wait, did Tom just read, Miss Mia? It was me and... You and okay, okay, cool. So let's do um, our favorite duo, Stephen and L.E., meeting your thoughts with understanding. Who's going first? Me? Go ahead. Okay. A thought is harm. Didn't we do that already? We did that. A thought is harmless unless we believe it. Oh, I'm sorry. Putting the mind on paper. I'm sorry, sweet love. Okay. Okay. The first step in the work is to identify the thoughts and judgments. Oh, you know what, Ellie? I'm actually gonna I'm actually gonna stop you. That's actually next week. I'm sorry. We actually did all the reading that I wanted to do for this week. Great, we did it. Okay, Um, okay, guys. So as you can see, this quarter we are going to be looking at the thoughts we think, (laughs) the thoughts that we've taken on as reality. We're going to go into them. We're going to dissect them. We are going to diffuse them. We're going to replace them, and we are going to develop a um, method that works for us to be able to free ourselves from the stress, anxiety, and all that stuff that comes along with believing our thoughts. We're going to learn how to support ourselves in aligning with our true nature, that infinite potential within us, that wisdom, that God presence that we read about with Ernest Holmes. So it's just learning how to remove the blocks, as the Course in Miracles would say. Remove the blocks, remove the blocks by looking at and diffusing, rejiggering our belief system to align with what we're truly interested in and what we believe to be true, that we are love. Sound good? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. This, this stuff, guys, I really, with all my soul, this is the key to freedom. I believe it. I've seen it work. And um, I think that uh, it's so important to know these things. As basic as some of it seems, it's, it's just like the power and simplicity. And it's not going to feel so simple, especially when we really get into the Byron Katie work. So, um, Okay. So here is great work. It's so good to connect with all of you. I love you all so, so much. Um, your work this week is, one, Make sure that you connect with your prayer partner and pray. Practice the G-O-D-S prayer. Read chapter three in the power of your subconscious mind, which uh, I believe is, if I may, pages 24 through, I'm going down here. 24 through 32, pages 24 to 32. And that's all you have to read in the subconscious mind this week. Pages 24 to 32. 
Jesse, I just want to say one thing. I, I just want to say how much I appreciate all of you for doing your work and for having this group to um, align with. And um, it just feels very powerful. And um, uh, I'm, I'm just very grateful for all of you guys for for doing this work and coming together and having a intention for good. Heck yeah, man. Isn't it great to have these conversations? Yeah. I mean, really, not to judge anything. I thank God we've had all the experiences we've had to get to this point, but think of some of the conversations and the groups that we used to hang out in. <laughs> mm. Oh, man. Okay, so we're going to read Chapter 3, or pages, what I just said, uh, 24 to 32, I think, uh, and submit a paragraph before class next week on that. And then you're going to reread what we read today in the booklet. You're going to reread. And I would suggest reading, especially that, like, that God's business, my business, your business, God's business thing. Reread that every single day. But pages 1 to 10 in the Byron Katie booklet, please reread that as many times as you possibly can. And take notes. Um, you know what? In fact, you're going to submit a paragraph on that as well. So next week, you'll submit a paragraph on Chapter 3 of The Power of Your Subconscious Mind and a paragraph on pages 1 through 10 of the Byron Katie Notebook. Clear? On my book, Clear! On my book, Chapter 3 is from uh, page 37 through 50. That's fine. Uh, it, it, there's different editions. So just read Chapter 3 then, Tom. Alrighty. Cool. Um... Yeah, I mean, apparently, I'm finding out tonight there's like five different editions, versions of subconscious mind. So we're all just going to have to, we're just going to have to go with it, flow with it, and just we'll all be able to understand the conversation. So, okay, guys, wow, we are off just and off and running. Remember, you can always listen in on Saturday's class if you'd like, um, and uh, you can participate. Fine. And or you can listen to the recording of this class. I'll put the link in our Facebook group. Make sure you check in the Facebook group too, so you can re-listen to it if you'd like to. And until then, I am going to close out. We'll take each other's hands. I'll take Georgina's hand. Georgina, whose hand will you take? Are you on mute, Georgina? Oh yeah, sorry. I'll take Ellie's hand. I will take Tom's hand. I will take Stephen's hand. I will take Amina's hand. And I will take Jesse's hand. Yes, and just leaning into the beauty and power of the sacred circle, just like Georgina expressed gratitude for, we are grateful for the opportunity to connect with our soul brothers and sisters. Yes, and we are just letting go of anything that would tell us that we are anything less than perfect, whole, and complete right here, right now, reminding ourselves of the truth of who we are, extensions of God, extensions of perfect love. We are in love with the one who invented love, and we are luminous and bright, and we are sharing our light with everyone, seeing the face of Christ reflected back to us, seeing the face of perfect love reflected back to us with whoever stands in front of us. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for all the good that simply is. We allow it to be. We allow ourselves to experience the freedom, the power, the passion, it comes with the knowingness of who we are, and we share all of it with everyone because we are one with them. And so it is. Amen. Amen. Uh-huh.
Amen. 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 All right, everybody. I look forward to connecting with you next week. And uh, have a beautiful night. I might see some of you at Bingo in just a few. And um, rock and roll. Love you guys. Bye. Love you. Good night. Love you. Bye.